Welcome, everybody. It is episode 18 of the Fantasy Alarm Hockey Podcast. I'm Andrew Dewhurst. I'm joined, as always, by Chris Murray. How are you doing tonight, Chris? I'm doing well, Andrew. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad. We got through the day. Uh, we're recording a day later than usual. Uh, the NHL trade deadline was today, and it was uh, it was a busy day. Uh, I believe we had 17 trades today. Uh, some of them starting in the middle of the night. Uh, so we're going to try to go through and we're, we're going to hit on most of these trades today. Uh, normally we would be talking about what happened last week, uh, but the trade deadline comes but once a year. So uh, we'll get things started here with uh, the, uh, you know, what? we'll go all the way back to, to Friday here. We'll try to get, make sure we're getting the all the trades that mattered uh we'll start with the kyle palmieri uh travis zajac from new jersey all the way over to the new york islanders uh the devils get aj greer mason jobst uh 2021 first round pick 2022 fourth uh i think the expectation for a lot of people was that palmieri would fill in on the top line uh with barzel uh, filling in the Anders Lee space. Um, I think that one was a, probably a little bit misdirected. Palmieri isn't anywhere close to the same type of player that that Anders Lee is. Uh, they both started on the third line, or, well, we'll call it the third line, but playing with uh, with J.P. Pajot. Um, uh, were, any, any initial reaction here on uh, Palmieri's Ajax deal? I think it was a good get here for the New York Islanders, right? So they kind of got the ball rolling here a little bit. They wanted to add pieces that they wanted to add. I think adding Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac, you know, good veteran players to a lineup here, definitely fills the void that Anders Lee is going to leave, right? So the Islanders are a good team, and they got better per se at the same time. Because when you think of – Paul Mary and Zajac, you don't look at them and saying, oh, these are big superstar players that are coming in, but they're coming in to fill a certain void, which is a, you know, offense by committee here with the Islanders, right? Because if you've ever tried to stack the Islanders in DFS, like good luck trying to figure out which of the top three lines you're going to go to. And oh, by the way, do we actually stack the fourth line? Because Clutterbucks, Ezekiel, and Martin, probably one of the best fourth lines in hockey right now. So, they definitely get the ball rolling here. The Devils, it, it's not a good season for them. Obviously, not much kind of happening. So they can unload some players here that, I mean, they retain some money, which is what a lot of teams are doing now. Cap space is kind of gold. So if you have any, uh, it can probably facilitate a lot happening here. They pick up a young player. They get a first-round pick, which is nice. They got a conditional one as well. Um, but again, it's... It got the ball rolling, and I think it makes them a tougher team to play against. And we'll see if that's enough to help them crawl out of that crazy mass mutual division. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I I agree. I mean these, I mean these are this isn't a deal that they make to try to finish first in in the division. This is a deal they make to be a harder team to play against to be more of a playoff team that depth matters i mean palmieri's been a 25 goal scorer with fairly fair bit of regularity so i mean he's not nothing he's just not like and i believe uh, i'd have to take a closer look i do believe that they will have lee back probably sometime early in the playoffs so 
uh, yeah, so all, all in all, I, yeah, I agree. It's the, the Islanders are better in this deal. Uh, the Devils get a first-round pick. Uh, I'm Mason Jobs and, and A.J. Greer aren't names that register on my radar today. Um, so that's, I mean, th- that is what it is. It doesn't mean that they're nothing. Um, but they're prospects, and that's what the Devils need. They need as many as possible, get some of them to turn out. Um, we'll move into uh, what we'll reference as our first cap circumvention trade of the day um, or of the weekend. So the the Blue Jackets get a seventh round pick from Toronto for not having to pay Riley Nash for the rest of the year. Uh, Riley Nash is on long-term IR. He won't count against Toronto's cap um, and will serve as a depth forward for the Maple Leafs, potentially. Uh, depending on when he is, he would be eligible to come back. Um, I think the thought is he would be ready right around playoff time, so he'll sit around and wait till then on long-term IR. Um, the Florida Panthers get Brandon Montour from from the Sabres for a third-round pick. Uh, I think the Panthers need this deal. Montour's not a bad player. He's a, he's a, he's a puck mover. Uh, he has some offensive upside. He's certainly not Aaron Eckblad. Um, but I think he's a player that's going to help them be better today and will help them uh, on a playoff run. Um, then we get to San Jose and and Colorado. Uh, this one really was a head-scratcher for me. I, I don't understand this deal for Colorado. I, they go get Devin Dubnik uh, for a fifth-round pick and Greg Pattern. Um, Dubnik's been just god awful in in, uh, in San Jose. He was bad last year in Minnesota. Uh, help me understand why this was a deal worth making for Colorado. I, I get Hunter Miska has also been just awful. Uh, Jonas Johansson hasn't obviously probably not going to be the answer in Colorado either, but Devin Dubnik. I mean, you named every reason why they went to go get him, right? So if you think back to the playoffs of last right of last year for Colorado, where did the wheels all fall apart? When Philip Grubauer goes down, right. Pablo Francos goes down, and then all of a sudden here comes Michael Hutchinson, and that didn't work out. So Colorado says, well, we have no depth. And you're right, Hunter Minska is not it, because I stack against him when he's in goal, knowing very well that the puck probably goes into the net. And look, I mean, he's 25. He's not, you know, a kid anymore, I would per se. So if you're not making it work now, then, you know, you're probably not going to figure it out forever. So it doesn't cost much to them to go out and get Devin Dubnik. Devin Dubnik's a body. He's a body. And he's been, he's been, yeah, he's been god-awful in San Jose. But is he an upgrade from whoever else is on that roster? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Because Jonas Jonasson is, I had no idea who he was until he got a start. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. That sounds like something that can happen here. But this is merely an insurance play for Philip Grubauer. He can't play all the time, right? Like, yeah. Pablo Francis is out. Who knows when he comes back, right? So you need somebody to at least take some of that pressure off. And I think Dubnik can be serviceable here for them, right? Because... I mean, Colorado is much better defensively than San Jose. Their offense is much better. Like, there's a whole bunch of things here. Like, don't forget as well, like, 
he's still in a very friendly division, right? And I think that also helps, right? So you're going from a San Jose team that's given up 133 goals. You're probably some of the reason why um, to a team that, you know, has a plus 50 differential, right? Like they're scoring at will here. So when you're on a better team and now, I mean, look at it this way for Devin Dubnik, right? He's has to play Arizona. So that's a gift. Uh, he can play his old team, San Jose. That seems pretty fun. Los Angeles doesn't scare anybody. And, oh, you also get the Anaheim Ducks. So in a backup role, if you want to give Grubauer a night off when you're playing one of those four teams, rolling out Devin Dubnik seems like a pretty good idea here, right? And he's seen some of these teams, right? Like he's played in San Jose, he's played in Minnesota. So he knows a little bit about, you know, maybe shooter tendencies or whatnot. I don't think it's a bad deal for Colorado. They didn't pay much to get him. So that works out well. It cost them, what, the little bit of here, little pick here and there, and, you know, probably not something they're going to use anyways. And they get somebody who can at least fill a spot until, you know, you, you can never have enough goaltending depth here, especially, like I said, having them to live through that experience of having both your first and second goalie go down to injury in the playoffs. He's just somebody who's going to come in here. And maybe he takes the backup role from Francois if he can't come back healthy. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing we learn in the next days that follow is literally there weren't any goalies available on the market. Like, like we see just one other goalie get moved. Arizona held. They didn't, they didn't move a goalie. Uh, we just, nothing else moved, right? We had uh, David Riddich. That was the only other goalie that, that got traded. So, I mean, by comparison, it's it makes a little bit more sense not once you understand the market. Um, but yeah, my initial reaction was like, Oh, well, uh, all right. I guess you're uh, what a third, fourth goalie. Well, yeah, you need bodies. I mean, certainly you don't want to have to go back to Michael Hutchinson in the playoffs. Um, but at the same time, I don't know how comfortable anyone's going to be in Colorado. If they get down to Devin Dubnik in the playoffs either. Uh, but yeah, Grubauer needs a rest. I think it's starting to show right now. I think he's getting tired. Um, we've seen him have a back-to-back bad games. So and he's, I mean, there's again, so those, those top four teams are basically a lock. Again, this is San Jose's, uh, not San Jose, sorry. This is St. Louis's spot to lose to Arizona. They're yeah. separated by one point and St. Louis has a game in hand. So again, I'm going to discredit the San Jose Sharks here because we should, uh, same thing with the Los Angeles Kings and Anaheim. Well, they never had a shot. So the, the top three are settled, and then it's St. Louis's spot to lose to Arizona. Now, Arizona is a team that I didn't expect them to do very much of anything. They didn't. I expected maybe St. Louis to try to go out and say, hey, maybe add a piece somewhere, right? Maybe offensively, maybe, you know, I don't know, pick up an extra defenseman or something, some of that depth. They didn't do anything, which is, I mean, I guess you feel like your team is good enough, but... I mean, yeah, that's, that's I get the move. Opinion, right? Yeah, like I get that move for Arizona and St. Louis because they are very much in it. And to say like, hey, look, we're not quite in. We're not quite out of it. Correct. Let's just hold Pat. Uh, we'll, if we make it in, great. We're not. I mean, St. Louis is a team that if they make it in, could make some noise, right? They've got all of the pieces to like give teams trouble yeah. in the, if in they the playoff finish series. Fourth, they have to play Colorado. Forget it. But totally agree. Yeah, they're gonna get run out of the building extremely quick unless Jordan Bennington finds some of that magic potion. 
right from Space Jam, you know, whatever Bugs Bunny was using there yeah. to give them the strength that they need to get past Colorado. I mean, we saw what the Avalanche did to the Arizona Coyotes, and the Arizona Coyotes had no offense, uh, but they had good goaltending, right? Or at least we. Well, once upon a time, they had good goaltending. They, all those guys are hurt. I mean, you know, they fell apart at one point, which is what happened, right? Good goaltending just couldn't stop the onslaught right. that was coming. Yeah, 40 shots on avalanche. It was literally, pun intended, an avalanche, and they couldn't stop it. So now, again, I, I think St. Louis is a better team offensively. I think their defense is maybe, you know, on par. But goaltending-wise, they have no backup. Right, Billy Huso's a, a yeah. salt. Like he's not going to solve anything for you. And we know Jordan Bennington hasn't been this, you know, the stellar goalie that he once was. And I mean, look again. I would have liked St. Louis to do something, kind of bolster anything. It might have been harder, right? Because you got to find cap space. And I don't know if San Jose would have been really open to the idea of saying, "Hey, yeah, we'll let you." You know, we'll use some of our cap space so you guys can get yourself better uh, when we're four points out of a playoff spot with with a game in hand. So maybe that makes it a little bit more difficult for them to execute a a trade in that point. But I would have liked to see St. Louis at least pretend like they're going to try to do something. And maybe they did and they just couldn't get it done. Yeah. Uh, Our next trade of the day was a a complicated one. And I think this is because... Uh, Tampa had to find money. Uh, so I'll read this one out as it happens. So the Detroit Red Wings acquired David Savard from the Columbus Blue Jackets for Brian Lashoff. Then Detroit turns around and trades Savard to the Lightning for a fourth round pick. And then the Blue Jackets turn around and trade Lashoff to Tampa for a first, a 2021 first and a 2022 third. All of this to say Tampa gave up a first and a third uh, and a fourth to get essentially David Savard and that's it. Brian Lashoff has played like 10 games this year for for the Red Wings. I think that's all you need to know about Brian Lashoff. Uh, Savard, however, uh, I expect is going to be on that top pairing with Hedman filling in uh, where Jan Ruto was before his injury, uh, which gives them depth that they need. Uh, I mean, Brian Savard or David Savard is, uh, he's no slump. He's a solid defensive uh, defenseman. Uh, if you play on DraftKings, uh, he's what I reference as the Dan Malin special. Uh, all last, as long as Columbus was in the playoffs last year, uh, if you were asking about uh, players in the chat, uh, Dan was always telling you to play David Savard because he was always getting three blocks. Uh, because Columbus was also giving up a boatload of shots. Uh, that may be a little bit different in Tampa, but uh, Savard's still a solid player. Um, and they don't care about first-round picks because when you're picking from you know between 25 and 32, it really doesn't matter. I don't think we're expecting the 2021 draft, especially, to be all that uh, all that interesting. Uh, and you'll notice uh, something going along the way is that no one gave up a 2022 first-round pick because ain't nobody's passing up, taking the chance that they're going to end up uh, giving away uh, what could be the Shane Wright pick in 2022. 
it's crazy that teams already know this. So they're basically dealing, you know, 2021 picks like it's like it doesn't matter, right? Which is all that you need to know about the draft at this point coming up. No team really takes it seriously. They say, yeah, whatever pick you want in 2021, just, you know, take it and uh, we'll be able to. So, I mean, again, Tampa Bay needs to get creative, right? Because they have cap issues. So, you know, Julian Breezewell doing what he does here and finding somebody to dance with. So basically he pays Detroit. So here, take you know, take half of the salary. We'll give you a fourth round pick this year because again, doesn't really matter, right? Um, Detroit's like, yeah, sure. We'll take whatever you guys will give us here. Um, it, it To me, it doesn't seem like an overpay for David Savard, but even if it was, right? Because think about it. You basically paid a first and a third. And like you said, a fourth round pick to be able to get the deal done, right? So you need yeah. one team to retain money who, you know, and Savard was, you know, he wasn't making it stupid ton of money but you still needed to make sure that you get him under and tampa bay is very good at adding those depth players we saw it last year with barkley goudreau blake coleman they bring them in huge key parts to this team they go on they win they don't need to add anything else right because tampa bay is going to get the greatest gift of all which is nikita kucherov once the salary cap no longer means anything so in that sense they didn't have to go out and get anything they're in a spot they're pretty much where they should be right they're yep. at the top of the they're at the top of the discover central division. And you know, there's some teams there. Carolina doing what they're doing. Florida's kind of uh slipped here a little bit, but you know, again, both those teams have their spots locked up. Uh small battle maybe for the fourth, you know, spot in that division. But Tampa Bay's just gonna put their, you know, car on cruise and just go into the top there and face whatever. Nashville or Chicago team comes out of there. I still think it's important for Tampa to win that division just because I, I don't want to play Carolina and I don't want to play the Florida Panthers. I don't want to play those two teams when I know I got Nashville and Chicago behind me. Like I yeah. I, I need to finish first because that matchup's going to be gold for, for which like whichever team you get. Like if it's Chicago, even better, right? Because oh, sure, yeah. you got Patty Kane and Debrinkat, but I mean, that's about right? it. Yeah, stop there, and that's it. And if it's Nashville, I mean, oh, I don't even know if they'll get 15 shots on goal in the playoffs. <laughs> right? But they may not. And unless UC Saros can literally steal four games for his team, it's going to be a quick exit for them. So for Tampa Bay, it's a question of just, you know, get some depth here. Savard's a great defenseman. The points are not there, but that's not why you bring him in, right? You right. don't need defensemen to get points. He's having a pretty bad season, but again, he's – you know, he's playing, he's playing in Columbus. A lot of players are having a bad season here. He's only got six points on the season. He's got 40 games played. He's a minus 19. Like, he's like he's not having it. It's statistically, not that the plus minus matters, right? Because it's a meaningless right. stat. We all know that. But, you know, minus 19 says a lot about, you know, what's going something. on here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's been one of those better defensive players as well. He's finished with a plus 33 in his career. And, you know, he didn't have that many points more. So, you know, it's one of those situations where it's just like it just wasn't working there. They move on to a piece, and hey, good for Tampa Bay. They 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 find ways to get things done, right? Good yeah. GMs will find ways. When I hear GMs say, "Man, it's a tough market," no, it's not because it's literally the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Kyle Dubas and Julian Breezewell, these guys are just out here, like, right? Two smart men, right? Two men who sit there and say, "Hey." How can we circumvent the cap every single time so we can make this work? And they've done a pretty good job at it, right? Yeah. Because when you look yeah. at their teams, right, they're magically underneath the cap, 
and both teams look loaded, right? The Toronto Maple Leafs a little bit more, but like again, good teams that find ways to get things done, and here they are. Yeah, and uh, I'll I'll double down a little bit on something you mentioned here, and that was uh, Tampa Bay acquiring Kudrow uh, and um, and Cole. Coleman last year. One of the things that I think fans have a tendency to do is like we won the we won the draft we won the we won you know we won this day we won the off season. This is a like that is a prime example of you don't need to be the team that makes the biggest sexiest moves to 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 win. To ultimately win, right? Like you need to go and fill the gaps. You need to do the things your team needs to be better and to win in the playoffs, and to win at the style of play that it that wins in the playoffs. Uh, you know, at it, like essentially, if you go back and look at it, Tampa Bay won the trade deadline last year, adding two players that played on their third third line. Why? Because they got the grit they needed. They got the yeah. two. They got players that were going to go Those, in. They, they that no one wanted to play. The Stanley Cup. Yeah, that's right. literally what you do, right? Yeah. yeah, and I think that's very much what Toronto is attempting to do as well. I mean, that's. I mean, they go get Nick Foligno. They give up a first and a fourth to to Columbus to do it. I mean, Foligno's a big body. He throws it around. He he can score some goals. He's done it in the past. Um, Toronto hat now has a, a bunch of these types of players, right? Like they've got Wayne Simmons, they've got uh, Zach Hyman, who's really much more of like a maybe more of what Felino was when he was a little bit younger. Um, Leafs are out here acquiring anybody who's been a captain once. Right? That's like that's right. what they're trying to do. That's, yeah, make make sure the the room's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of support for John Tavares here. If he needed yeah. any, he's got a lot of former captains to look around to, which I guess is is good, right? Like Cowboys yeah, talked Nick. about it, and everybody keeps raving about Nick Foligno. Toronto media has been really happy about him, and you know he's a character guy. You know all the key words on the bingo card. You know character, yeah. grit, leadership. If you have that on a bingo card, like you got it, right? Like that's the type of player that he is, and he obviously probably open to the idea of going here and looking at the Toronto Maple Leafs and saying, hey, there's a lot here to like. So, yeah, uh, yeah sure. Yeah, I mean, his dad played there. I mean, yeah. I'm sure you'll get to wear, like, his dad's number and all that good stuff if it's available and all. I mean, Bloodline was was also something that was a uh, something we saw come up uh, more than once uh, mm-hmm. going through, through the players traded today. Uh, I mean, we've got Nick Foligno, we've got uh, Hayden Verbeek, uh, whose uncle Pat was a Stanley Cup winner with Dallas. He scored a bunch of goals. We had, um, what was the other one I saw here? Ryder Rolston, dad's Brian Rolston. Uh, We had a bunch of those types of guys. I mean, not that that really means anything, because it shouldn't, and it often doesn't, but... Uh, bloodline was a was a common term that made its way through the day as well. Um, I'll say this though about right going back to the Tampa Bay those trades that they made last year, right? So in from recent memory, right? If your third line is elite, then you have a really good chance of winning the Stanley Cup. 
Okay, so let's go back to the Washington Capitals, right? Their third line through the entire playoffs was elite. And who were the last two players to score before before Washington wins the Stanley Cup? It's Lars Eller and Devontae Smith-Pelly. I know this because as a Habs fan, I was crying on the sofa. But, <laughs> like, again, not the sexiest plays here. But, I, like, Devontae Smith-Pelly, I think, was added at some point during the year. Or, again, that third line just, yeah. you know, existed. And, you, and we can go way back to all these teams that have crazy depth in the their third and fourth line. Your fourth line just needs to not handicap you. They need to... You know, you, you, if they're not scoring goals, well, you can't give up any. That's all you got to do. But when you start adding a third line that can do something, like there's only six defensemen, right? And your third pairing is usually not a defensive pairing that's playing a lot. And playoff hockey is known to be, it's physical, it's tough, it's grueling, right? So when you get down to that third line that's now bigger, that's now dominating the play down low, cycling the puck, doing everything you need to do to make it tough on your opponents, you're going to end up winning games. And that's exactly what the Tampa Bay Lightning did. They built, right? Their top two lines were fine. They didn't need any help there. And that's even with Stamkos out of the lineup. Like, Point and Kucherov just said, it's fine. We'll figure it out. But their third line was good. And like I said, Washington's the same thing here. You know, we're about to find out just how good the Toronto Maple Leafs third line is, right? Because now you got a whole bunch of moving parts coming in here. And you got a lot of... Again, you named them. We got a lot of veteran players here who can do a lot of stuff. Jason Spetz has played really well this season. Really, really well, right? There's a guy who can fit on your third line. He can play center. He can play the wing. Felino's played center as well. He can also play the wing. We almost forget that Joe Thornton plays hockey, right? But same thing. Like, there's so many things that can happen here for this team. And A, they need to put it all together, right? Willie Nina is out of the line as well. So wait till he comes back. You got a good problem in Toronto. You got a lot of good players. And now they just yeah. need to put all this together so they can lose in the first round again. And then we can talk all <laughs> summer about grit and character and, I don't know, whatever other words on the bingo card here. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, getting the right pieces, getting them at the right time really is the key to all of this. Like, having all the right players doesn't mean you're going to you put it together at the right time. Let's be honest. They did they overpay by sending a first round pick? Not really, because yeah, like, it's, like we said, who cares? Doesn't matter. Yeah, at the a twenty five to thirty two pick in the first round of any draft almost never matters, and in this one even less. So they're like, well, yeah, sure, take it. Yeah, I mean, who knows, right? Like, sure, but crazy things. Is anybody crazy about the twenty twenty one draft? Like, is anybody talking about, like, at this point, like, Craig Button would have already been shoving down our throats who the top prospect is. I have no idea. It's and a they, collection of defensemen yeah. that no one seems to be able to to be. But there's been, like, how many years have we gone through, like, drafts where, like, the top, you know, the top two players, it's like this back and forth. It's like, who's going to go first? Who's going to go second? Or, well, you know, who's going to beat out? I, I have no idea. I, I wouldn't buy too much into that. I mean, like, let's not let's not forget it wasn't that long ago that uh, is it Taylor Hall or Tyler Sagan? Like, well, it was probably neither. Uh, this does happen fairly frequently. I mean, every draft isn't great, but I mean, you should be able to get NHL players in the first round. Often, you typically will see ten to fifteen, like 
five to ten year players go in the first round of any draft. Some worse, some obviously more, but um, yeah, it, it is what it is. And I mean, we'll we'll deal with the draft when it comes. But teams teams shouldn't like if you're making these playoffs, you don't care about your first round pick, right? You're not giving up all these parts if you lose in the first round. And I mean. In the North, uh, I think any – I have no guarantee on any single team that's making that playoff on who's going to beat who because I don't think anyone really knows, right? Like, I think we know who the teams are. I think we know it's going to be Toronto, Montreal, Edmonton, and Winnipeg. But I don't think we know in a seven-game series who's beaten who. <laughs> To be honest, I mean, I, I mean, Edmonton seems like the worst playoff team, but they also have the best players. Not that that's proven itself to mean anything in the playoffs, but I mean, they could uh, outscore Winnipeg. Right? Sure, but I mean, Winnipeg is also like the team that you could see being like, well, hello, but caught fire and and stole a round. Right. You could steal rounds. Toronto could have like brutal, like Jack Campbell is today the savior but he's also like constantly hurt uh if they are down to riddich and and hutch that's not a great situation to be you saw how that worked out for colorado last year uh i mean montreal has like montreal's probably in the best situation from a playoff team perspective right like allen's played well price has been there before you've got three lines like the I mean, you don't have anyone that's going to blow anybody out of the water. Like, no team's going like, oh, God, not Montreal again. But, like, they're going to be tough to play against. I'm uh, saying this about Montreal, okay? Like, Paul Byron played on the top line tonight. Jake Evans played wing on the second. Yeah. So, but, I mean, injuries. And they won 4-2. Against, and they won 4-2 against the league, right? Against Obviously, a lot all of kinds of, Yeah, yeah. Like, Gallagher's out of the lineup. The notion is that he's not going to be ready to come back. Before the start of the playoffs, Armia is skating, so I guess, you know, COVID kind of ripped through his body. He should be okay. Uh, I mean, it's nothing. I mean, again, people say that, you know, Habs have a great chance. I'm, I'm looking at their team going, well, man, baby. Oh. I don't know a great chance, but I, I could see them winning a round. That wouldn't surprise me. I, I couldn't see them. Like, they need a lot of things to go right to win a few rounds. Here's Yeah, but here's the thing, though, right? It's like... Toronto's the best team in that division, hands down. So, to me... Toronto is 100% the best regular season team in that division, hands 100%. Down. But they also have, like, I'm looking at their, like, I'm looking at their roster every... Even tonight, I'm looking at their roster going, man, this is going to be a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> like, there's so many weapons. And if you fall asleep for, like, 10 seconds, like, Austin Matthews is ripping a top shelf, yeah. right? And there are a ton of weapons that you have to watch. And then the Montreal Canadiens are going to prepare the exact way that they do, which is trying to shut them down, right? Kind of like what they do to McDavid and Tricycle, right? The entire right. game plan is, well, let's just eliminate these two, and you're fine. But with Toronto, you have so many pieces. So, sure, they lost tonight, but, you know, they could easily get slapped 6-1 again the next night, and you'd be like, okay, well, that makes sense, right? Yeah. So, to, to me, I feel like, that's the series to me that makes you know the, the team that wins that series automatically is going to win the division. I again, no disrespect to the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers, the Winnipeg Jets I don't think are really good, right? 
their advanced stats at home or just in general are not great. They're a good-looking paper team, but expected goals for and everything else, they're just they're just there. Yeah. And Edmonton doesn't have depth. They don't. So. Right. Yeah, they don't have they have no depth. They don't, have they don't depth. really have goaltending. Like, no, they have no goaltending. Their defense is not great. Right? They have two studs and then bodies. Yeah. And again, we know it's Dreisaitl and McDavid. After that, doesn't really matter, right? Pray for rain. Exactly. So again, if and either way, right? If Toronto ends up slapping Montreal in the first round, well, they're gonna slap whatever team is coming up next. Or at least that's how I feel it's gonna go. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I give I, I try not to discount Winnipeg because they have so much forward talent. Uh like I think they're they're a team that is three lines deep. They do have elite scorers. Well, maybe not elite. They have high they end do. scorers. They have 136 um, goals on the season, right? That's and, two more than Edmonton. Right. And it's and they can spread it around. So they're a yeah. team that can get by when you can shut down one of their lines. Fine. You know, you got your you got home ice, you want to shut down, you know, Shifley and whoever, whichever two you've played against. You've stuck with him. No problem. We got a second line. I mean, they need somebody that can win faceoffs, which probably leads pushes Wheeler down to that line because uh, Dubois isn't isn't really good in the faceoff circle. Uh, but Dubois is also a player that should be a difference maker. He was a beast for Columbus last year in the playoffs because he hit everything. He manhandled people. He has not been good since going to Winnipeg. But, like I mean, a lot of people want to talk about Patrick Lining. Being what he is, <laughs> but I mean Pierre Luc Dubois is going to Winnipeg. I can't tell you the number of times I have played him on DraftKings because he's sub five K, yeah. and then he does literally nothing with no shots, no points, not even like an accidental block, nothing, literally a goose egg. So. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't. It, it's been up and down. It seems. I mean, it, was, it looks like it's another zero for him tonight. Uh, he had two goals two nights ago, mind you, like. We'll discount that a little bit against Ottawa. Not that that necessarily should be what we do. Um, but he he is a player who I think can fill that void. They're a better team with him than they probably were with Line A in a playoff series because they already have lots of people who can score goals. Uh, that that all being said, you know, we'll... Uh, We'll continue to move on because we're not even to like today yet in the trade in the trade tracker. Uh, um, so we'll get to I guess the the two big trades that happened overnight. So we've got uh, Boston acquires Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar from the Sabers for a second round pick and Anders Bjork. Uh, I know many people's initial reaction, including mine, was that's it. That's all you got. Second round pick and and a third line forward um we do have to keep in mind that taylor hall does have a no movement clause, so he was able to dictate where he was getting traded uh which i sense dictated you know to buffalo this is all you're going to get in return uh i did see somewhere that uh at one point in time bjork was thought to have had first line upside i think bjork can be a top be a middle six player uh he skates well i mean obviously has to figure out how to how to score and how to whether he's going to create play or not. Um, but that's not a huge return on Taylor Hall, uh, especially when Buffalo had also eaten money to make it happen. 
Uh, for Taylor Hall, like, I feel like in a lot of ways, like, the next four weeks will determine what his career is moving forward. If Taylor Hall can go to Boston and score goals and be a productive player, his value will suddenly return because the Buffalo Buffalo seems to just automatically have been determined a cesspool and everything that goes there will, will just become bad. Um, Lazar is going to be a depth forward. I don't wouldn't expect, I mean, he's a former first rounder, but I don't wouldn't put too much into that. Um, what do you think about what, I mean, what do you think on the outlook of Hall? Is he going to be a curse in Boston or is he going to be the secondary scoring that this team so desperately needs? If I'm looking at the Twitter memes, he's definitely the curse. Um, that's for sure. I mean, here's the thing, right? A lot of people are looking at this and absolutely just dumping on the Buffalo Sabres saying you only got a second round pick and I'm going to flip this to the other side. I was listening, right, to Trade Center, right? Bob McKenzie was talking. So when Bob Father talks, he listened. Like, and he said a key thing, right? Like, you can only get what other teams are willing to give you. Right. And I don't think there was one team willing to pay a first-round pick for a player with two goals. They're saying, look, man, like, you have to – so if you're Buffalo, you have to eat money. You have to do it. And that's fine. They can do it, right? Buffalo's got the money. The Pagula's got money. This isn't a thing where it's a small market team. It's, oh, I don't have money. Um, so they know that they have to do this. And they get what they can get for him. And if it's a second-round pick, like, I know the notion is, well, you see all these other teams. Again, and a lot of people are comparing it to, you know, the Leafs paying a first-round pick for Nick Foligno. That's what they were willing to pay. The Leafs, like, a lot of people are saying, well, why didn't he go to Toronto? Why would Toronto want to pay, first of all, pay a first-round pick? And then how much money is Buffalo willing to eat to get that deal done, right? Yeah. Not to mention, right, you have to quarantine. So you got to yep. figure out that side. Yeah, and a bringing, week. yeah, and then bringing him into a team like, like again, I, I think Buffalo got what they can get. That's it. And I don't even think going to Boston is going to be a great solution for him. Boston doesn't have this crazy depth that we think they do. Okay. They have a lot of issues right now on defense because they can't stay healthy. Okay. So they can, th- that's problem number one. <laughs> they can't stay healthy. Right, The goaltenders are not healthy. Their defense is not healthy. Washington slapped them. That's what they look like when they're missing some pieces. So they get slapped. They go out. They get a forward. If you play them on the second line, I'm going to assume the top line stays together. Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasta, because why would you take that apart? They're probably one of the better lines in hockey right now. Top Top three, easy, right? Three players together, not just McDavid, Dreisaitl. Okay. So Hall's going to play on the second line, and you're going to anchor him with David Krejci, who also has two goals, right? Like, I, I think it's a better fit for him, right? But we also said that about Buffalo, right? And right. he was going there to play with Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt, and he should have been okay. And Buffalo's terrible, and they're going to score a lot of goals because, well, they're going to be trailing a lot. Well, you know, newsflash, Buffalo doesn't, uh, Boston doesn't score very much. Right, they don't. They're of let's again let's discredit the New Jersey Devils and the Buffalo Sabers here. Apologies to the fan base, but like they have 109 goals this season. They're not scoring much. They're not giving up much. They're playing very Boston-like hockey, but they're not scoring goals. So to them, I think they see Hall as you know what he's he he's he's going to be a UFA, right? 
And recency bias is something the players love when it comes to negotiating contracts. Yeah. So for him, he's trying to salvage anything that he can. And playing in playing in Boston is one way to do it, right? Even if he gets that power play time, which I'm assuming he's going to get, right? Yeah, you got to give him the top win. power play unit at some point to kind of, I don't know, get any value out of him. He can skate well. He's a big body as well. That's, you know, all good things. But, I mean, I'm really not looking up and saying, man, there's a lot for Taylor Hall here. I'm I'm not. I, I think Bob, I, I think for Boston they paid a fair price to get him. They paid exactly what he's worth, which is a second round pick, and Andres Bjork. That's it. And you had to retain money to get it done. So I for like fantasy wise, I would like I'm a Taylor Hall owner. I'm not sitting here jumping with joy. I'm happy he's out of Buffalo because that's good. But I'm not looking at him going to Boston. Going this guy's gonna rip it. <laughs> Like, I'm just like, can you just can you just score a goal, right? And, he, and he's going to turn around and play the Buffalo Sabres on what? Uh, what is it? At this point this week? I think the next game? Yeah. Tuesday or Wednesday? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah tomorrow. He plays. Yeah, he, there you go. So he's going to go into I, – I think they travel to Buffalo as well. Or I, I think the game's played in Boston. Uh, games um, in Boston. because Games in Boston, right. He drove even... from Buffalo to get to Boston to play against his – to play Absolutely. Look, man, he's motivated to get out of Buffalo. And I, I don't blame him. And Buffalo, terrible team, terrible city. I would I would drive 180 out of that city. I'd pay the ticket. I wouldn't even care. So, <laughs> like, yeah, he, he, he may score two goals in that game. And I think he's going to be extra motivated to, you know, show he needs a contract, right? And whether yeah. he wants to stay in Boston and this and that. He's like, yeah, I want to be here. Good. Say all the right PR stuff, right? And then go out there and do something because he needs to have some success. Like he needs it because if not, he's walking into the off season and he, he's that the phone's not going to ring for the money that he wants. He bet on himself with a one year deal in oh, Buffalo, right? He's, he still made eight million dollars, right? Like let's not cry for Taylor Hall here, okay? Like he's he signed, he, he got his money. He got one year hoping he could bank on that, right? Flat salary cap. He knew teams weren't handing out money during the pandemic. He says, hey, I'm going to bet on myself, go into next offseason, get that big contract. And he's nowhere near it. Like, he is nowhere. I'd be surprised if a team locks him up long term for six mil at this at this there point. Is, now, yeah, sure. there is no chance that happens. Even if he goes into even if he goes into Boston and he scores in every game they play for the rest of the season, nobody is paying him $6 million next year. There are dumb teams that will. Let's not forget that, right? Well, I mean, if he wants to go and get paid next year, I, sh- I certainly hope he he enjoys playing in Detroit or some other bad team that's like, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll pay you for the next three years to put some – to try to lure somebody into this and hope that you return your value around so we can then trade you <laughs> in, a, in a couple of years when your value is higher. I mean, th- this is what I'll say about Taylor Hall. He, he's going to shoot better. Than, at some point in time, he's got to shoot better than 2.3%. Like that, that number's uh, just, just terrible. No, like he's not a 2.3% shooter. Forwards don't shoot at that top six forwards. When he won the MVP in, in New Jersey, when he won the heart, he shot 14%. That's a career high. 
his career number is like 10. So he's like 8% lower than his career number. At some point in time, that's going to turn around. Um, theoretically, it's a short season that maybe doesn't turn around entirely. So we'll see what happens. I, I mean, I'm thankful that I didn't pay the Taylor Hall tax in the preseason. I have not a single share of him. Um, so all is well for me, at least on that front. But this is the opportunity. If he can't cash in on this, he's not cashing in on anything. He's getting up in uh, probably with like a five, four to $5 million contract for two years. It, although, mind you, this helps him go to a good team because, you know, he now is in the right price range for somebody and to help you win long term. But, yeah, he's not he's not breaking anyone's bank at this point. He's uh, also got 14 career playoff games. Right? Exactly. I think some teams, like, that's through no fault of his own, by the way, right? Like, you know, he played sure. in those terrible Edmonton Oilers teams for a really long time. Then he went to New Jersey, and New Jersey wasn't really that great, but, I mean, he was traded there. So, not his fault, right? He, again, gets traded to Arizona and, you know, plays nine games, but you know, Arizona Coyotes are who they are, and they were not going to resign him. You know, he goes to bought Buffalo and Buffalo is terrible. And now let's, let's see what he can do here. But yeah, I don't, I just don't know. I mean, I guess he's, I guess he's not the 93 player that, you know, the 93 point player that we thought he was, right. Cause he's, he's, he's been nowhere near that number since. And again, through no, not through no fault of his own, right. Like you know, I mean, the devils are not an offensive team. The Arizona Coyotes are not an offensive team. The Buffalo Sabres are not an offensive team. Like he's gone to some pretty bad offensive teams here. Yeah. And he's just hadn't been able to work it. So we'll see what he does and how he fixes this, but he like he needs something good to happen to him. If not, he's not gonna make money and he's not gonna get his term that he wants. Yeah. Uh Moving on to a deal that I found to be maybe a little bit more interesting. Uh, Jeff Carter goes to the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for a conditional uh, 2022 conditional third and a 2023 conditional fourth. Uh, So essentially we'll call it nothing. Uh, I'm guessing that there was some uh, Carter still paid some real money. So I'm guessing that's a big part of it. Um, that I'm guessing Pittsburgh took on the money in exchange for not paying any real return. Uh, but this is an interesting deal because I'm uh, I immediately drew the connection uh, of Crosby and Carter because of their time with the Canadian Olympic team. Um, and I'm not going to be surprised if Carter immediately moves on to that top line with Crosby because I don't think you're bringing. He would have no familiarity with um, with Malkin, and I don't know if you're bringing in Carter to be a third-line player for you. Uh, so he was a player I added this morning myself uh, as, a speculative, as a speculative ad. Um, I think there could be a little bit of short-term upside for your fantasy team with Jeff, with Jeff Carter. Um, am I crazy? No. I'm, I had him as a player on the waiver wire today as a player to add. He's going to Pittsburgh, right? Players who go to Pittsburgh usually have some success. Pittsburgh's had to deal with a lot of injuries here. They have one functioning line, and then they have three 
other lines that are there, but you're not winning with Colton Sevier, Frederick, Gro Frederick uh, Goudreau in the third line. Jared McCann is like existing. Zach Aston Reese, Sam Laferty. Like they need a body. They need a body. Defensively, they've struggled as well. They need all kinds of things to happen there. It's it's a good deal for them to bring in a veteran player who can play that top play in in your top six. That's what they need. They need him to play on the top six. I could see him playing center on that second line. You move Jared McCann to the wing. Doesn't really matter. You can get Evan Rodriguez out of your top six. That'd be a gift as well. And again, they didn't pay much to get him here. You know, they retained some cap as well, Los Angeles, because yeah. that's what you got to do now, right? Retain money to get things to happen. Um, and yeah, I think from a, again, from a fantasy perspective, he's, he's triple position eligibility on Yahoo as well. So he gives you a ton of roster flexibility as to where you want to play him. Right. And he's leaving the LA Kings, right? He hadn't played in the top six in LA here of late, like kind of, you know, stumbled here and there. He's not the player that he is anymore. Like, let's be honest, right? He's 30. Yeah. He's not a 40 goal scorer anymore. No, he's, he's not, you know, again, is he? He's not a 30-goal scorer. He's not a 20-goal scorer. He's depth at this point. And the players players who play with Sidney Crosby just get better. It's just it's one of those things, right? Sidney Crosby just makes everyone around him a whole lot better. So, hey, Jeff Carter's got a spot on that top power play unit right now because, again, you can keep Jared McCann there if you want, but I probably want to put Jeff Carter there just to see what I can get out of him. You know, just to kind of tickle the idea here and see what can happen. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, that's kind of what I was looking at as well. I was like, hey, like, I don't need you to be great. I don't need you to be, like, I, I'm under no disillusion that 36-year-old Jeff Carter is not going to be 25-year-old Jeff Carter. Um but I think they're still a little bit in the well. I mean, I think he's going to be excited, uh, you know, gets to go. He's going to get to play in the playoffs again. He gets to play, you know, with players that have been in the league for more than a combined two years. Um, I would think all of those things for a veteran player are like things he would be really looking forward to. Um, so we'll see how that plays out for them. Uh, but he's also completely free. So if you are listening to this, you need to pick somebody up. Give him a look. Uh, he does have all the eligibility you need. Um, and he is somebody who can potentially give you some goals, get you through the next few weeks, uh, which may be all playoff weeks, depending on where you are, because I think playoffs should have started by now when you're uh, in head-to-head -head leagues. So um, certainly somebody worth taking a look at. Um Moving forward to, I mean, other, I mean, I guess I'll just put it this way, uh, save us a little bit of time. Other players that mattered uh, getting moved here. Um, actually, you know what? We'll just, there isn't really any others, in my opinion. Unless I was going to say, who are these other players we're talking yeah. about? Because I don't see them. <laughs> yeah, it's really, we'll just get to the end of this here. So we had we had the, the blockbuster come in right at the last minute. Uh, we had Washington acquiring Anthony Mantha from the Detroit Red Wings for Jacob Vrana, Richard Panic, uh, a 2021 first, a 2022 second. 
Um, I think the immediate reaction that I've seen on this was uh, Washington probably overpaid. Um, I think seen people see Vrana and Mantha as v- value equals. Uh, I know we talked a little, bit, a little bit about this before we got on the air. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with it being maybe a slight overpay. Uh, is a capable goal scorer. I, I think he'll do better in Detroit. He's not going to have any amount of Ovechkin shadow. Um, he's going to get lots of power play time. He's going to play with, I don't know, whomever it is that he's going to end up playing with. I assume Ron it should be Wilson and Luke Glendening. There well, you go. It should be Dylan Larkin. That would be my expectation. My expectation that Detroit's going to try to cobble together some amount. You really of want to trust line. Jeff Blashill right now? Well, I don't know, okay. but uh, Vrana, as you noted, is also an RFA at the end of the year, so we'll see what that means for him. Uh, Mantha's got three years left on his deal, so I don't think it's as I don't think it's as lopsided as maybe people wanted to make it out to be. I don't know also, how many people I've argued with today who are looking at this deal going, Washington gave up the moon. And I'm like, really? This is a great deal, by the way, for both teams, right? Steve Eiserman, I mean, he's getting a haul here, right? So he says, okay, I'll do it. I, I'm pretty sure he wasn't shopping, Matha. And then, you know, th- this, the piece is coming in. He says, okay, well, I'll take it, right? He's going to take Jacob Verana, right? They have cap space so they can, you know, sign him, right? They take Richard Ponick, who can, again, be a body. So that's nice. They have the first round pick that means very, I mean, it means something, but again, it's a first round pick this year. A second round next season, still pretty good, right? Yeah. So it's not that bad, um, right? Washington unloads a little bit of money here, right? Because they don't even, they hit 675 more on the cap, right? So they take on Matthew, and this is the part I think where this makes the most sense for Washington. They get Anthony Matthew, and like you said, he's signed for three more seasons. And 575 is really not a bad deal for a player in my mind that I and I legit believe this because I keep writing up about him being a sleeper pick every year in the NHL draft kit because I I do think that's the case. He has three more seasons at 5.7 after this season. Okay, he's 26 by the way. He's in the prime. He's right there. This is it. This is the prime moment. Yeah, He's leaving a terrible Detroit team. Let's be honest. They're not good. So he's going to play in Washington. Wash, like It's going to be a real upgrade moving from a Dylan Larkin and whatever else center that's there. Okay, We don't even need to know them by name. It doesn't make a difference. To going to play with Nick Backstrom, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and I'll throw Lars Seller in that conversation because he's still better than anybody else not named Larkin. And like, Mantha can shoot the puck. We know this. And he can score goals. He can score a lot of goals. The problem with Mantha is he hasn't been healthy here of late, right? Because in my mind, he's a 30-goal scorer, easy 30-goal scorer in Detroit, knowing how terrible that team is, okay? He hasn't gotten there yet, right? He got 24 in 2017-18, he had 25 in 2018-2019. He only played 67 games. Last season, he gets hurt. He was off to a banging tear. He still had 38 points in 43 games. And then this season, well, you know, again, things happen. 
Detroit's not good, and it is what it is. But to me, I think he's an easy 35 goal scorer. Can he score 40? That's a whole different conversation to have here. But I like players who score goals, like you either do or you don't. And Mantha, like he ripped apart the queue when he was there. He ripped it apart, right? Which was kind of shocking that he went 20th in the draft because we knew and everything was about, you know, his skating and this and can he play defense and all that fun jazz, right? But his last year of junior hockey in Valdor, like he scored 57 goals in 57 games. He also added 63 assists. He had 120 points. And then he went to the playoffs and scored 24 goals in 24 games. He racked up a whole bunch of penalty minutes while he was there too as well. Like he he can score. He can score. Can he score at an elite level? I think with the right players, he probably can. Because, again, you're leaving Detroit. Like, you're getting out. And, and, and th- that has to be what, you know, Brian McLennan is looking at here and saying, hey, I have a chance to acquire a player who's at $5.7 million, and I don't have to worry about it for the next three seasons. Right? Jacob Rado maybe doesn't cost you much more. Maybe he wants a little bit of a pay crease. Maybe he hits 4.5. But again, like Verona and Mantha are not the same player. They are not. They're two totally different players. Yeah. Verona's not a power forward. Not at all. Right. Mantha I mean, is the definition of it. The biggest difference here, in my, I mean, there's two big difference makers here for the Capitals. First thing, uh, Mantha's 6'5", like 230. He's a big boy. That's like... He's a lot bigger than Vrana is. You can play Mantha on the top line if you want to. You can have that experiment. You can move Tom Wilson down more to a place that maybe he should be in your lineup because Tom Wilson shouldn't be a top line player, in my opinion. Um, So, like, you can have a really solid top line. Mantha can be a player that people don't want to play against. And he can be productive offensively. The other really big piece of value that he is bringing to you is he's not, he can take faceoffs for you if needed. He's won 48% of his faceoffs this year as a winger, right? That's, that's value. You're not getting any of that out of Rana, and that's matters to you in the playoffs, right? If you are going to put him on the top line, Ovechkin isn't taking faceoffs for you. You're not bringing in someone from defense. You need to have somebody else there to take faceoffs. So if Backstrom or Kuznetsov or Eller, as of late, get pushed out of the circle, then you need to have somebody else there. Mantha can take up that space for you, right? Style of play matters in the playoffs. We'll just continue to right. say this over and over and again, can, right? He can play both sides as well. He can play right. left as he can play right. Here's a comparison for you, okay? Because you mentioned Tom Wilson. and Everybody knows how much I hate him. Tom Wilson is one year older than Mantha, by the way. Okay, Tom Wilson is signed for three more seasons after this year at 5.16. Let's round it off, 5.2. He's making $500,000 less than Anthony Mantha. Like, comparable. If I gave you Mantha or Tom Wilson, like like 100% of the time, it's Mantha, except for the Capitals fans who love Tom Wilson. That's it. That's it. Right, and the love for Tom Wilson exists based on one single thing, and that's he was on the team when they won the Stanley Cup. He's the guy yeah. that 
that sticks up for that essentially it's like if you're gonna go out and do something with Ovechkin, typically I feel like Ovechkin takes care of, of it himself. But like yeah, Wilson boy. is out there to, and he'll likely spear you. That's yeah, yeah. Like Todd Wilson will get suspended for 15 games again, and there you go. Yeah. People like, I mean, people like to think he's Brendan Gallagher, and he's not. He's just a guy who's gonna get suspended a lot. So right, he's closer to like. Uh, I don't have a necessarily comparable here. No, because it's like a, no comparison to Tom. He's Wilson. like a really discounted version of Brad Marchand. Yeah. Severely really discounted. discounted. He is the wish version yeah. of Brad Marchand. He is. He's a cheap yeah. version of something. And, like, Washington's giving him five-plus money. So, again, to, to me, this is, a, like, this is a good contract for a team to have on a player who's got a ton of upside. A ton. On a good team, I really think. Like, some... I can write those Facebook friends, man. They really come in and they're like, no, he's he's never gonna score 35. And I'm like, I'm gonna save well, this. Maybe. Like maybe I'm, I'm gonna save it. He's gonna score 35 next season. In an 82 game schedule, he's scoring 35. Hands down. If if healthy, and, and I know that's a big if, if healthy, he's gonna score 35. And it's, he's not even gonna bat an eye doing it. He's a good shooter, right? Again, he can score goals. Right. Yeah, he's a career twelve percent. Yeah, that's like, pretty. That's pretty that's good a, in the that's NHL. That's a goal scorer. That's yeah. really good in the NHL. Like people think it's got to be a crazy number. No, he is a really good goal scorer. He scores goals. And look, maybe this helps out Ovechkin a little bit to have somebody else on the ice. Like Ovechkin commands so much attention and as he should by the way you have to watch Ovechkin right teams have been trying to do this for his entire career and he's still scored 700 plus goals right he still has 21 goals this season like they've been trying forever to slow him down he has seven more goals than TJ Oshie and he's played three less games okay so he like Ovi's shooting 13 percent in his career (laughs) yeah and it's not yeah like and we know how many shots he takes. He's nowhere on pace to get the the crazy numbers we talked about last time in his shots, right? Like he was like he's finished seasons with four hundred shots, right? Like he's not this player anymore. So yeah, yeah, he, he had almost four. He had five hundred one year. Yeah, like he had five hundred and twenty eight shots in oh eight oh nine. Like, can you fathom the understanding of that? And he still scored on ten percent of those shots. Like it's wild what he can do. So bringing in another player who can score goals, at least it keeps the defense honest, right? Which is what you're looking for, right? Keep them honest. Right. You don't want to go in. If you're Washington, what you don't want is to win the division, get Boston in the first, and have that's uh, it. And have that matchup where like they completely neutralize your top line. Correct. And now you're you don't have the depth and the scoring to to get through the series, right? Because yeah. that's exactly what you want to avoid. That's not going to get you anywhere, right? You're going to get you sent home in the first round and just as and another year of disappointment. Another year you lo- you wasted it where Ovechkin didn't had a short playoff run. You right? need to re- like at that point you need to respect Mantha as well. Which right. means if you take your attention off Ovechkin for 30 seconds, 
which is already 28 too many, he's going to bury it. And that's maybe some of the flexibility that he needs. We're not seeing much scoring coming from Elsa, right? TJ Oshie's getting there, but outside of that, what else has happened, right? Connor Sheary's in the top six. Cool. Right? He's got 10 goals. All right, you did your job. Tom Wilson is there. He's got 10. He's kind of figured out, I guess. All right, cool. But outside of that, there's secondary scoring. It's It's been tough. It's, it, it's been tough to get, right? They got seven players with 10 or more goals, right? John Carlson being one of them, by the way, a, a defenseman. So there's, to me, this is a this is a deal that Steve Eisman had to say yes to because he's getting a haul. I agree with him. He's getting a young player. Oh, yeah. So he said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. If you're going to give me all this, I, I mean, I'd be dumb to say no. And for right, Washington... Yeah. Washington, I mean, again, we, we talked about the Islanders earlier. The Islanders went out and said, okay, this is what we're going to do, right? We're going to make our team a lot harder to play against. And then Washington Capitals saying, okay, well, you know, Pittsburgh goes out, acquires a player, right? They do whatever they need to do. They get a little bit better. Boston acquires Taylor Hall, right? So they're trying to get better as well. And... It, that's why I, I guess this trade kind of happened late, right? Because they kind of say, well, okay, like, let's do something. All the teams behind us are getting better. Yeah. Like, we got to bring in something to at least keep us competitive. And they did. And they brought yeah. in a player who's got a good cap hit, locked up for a couple more seasons, three, and who can, again, score 35 goals in the NHL. I, I really think he can. Especially playing with, like, if even if they put Kuznetsov between Ovechkin and whoever, if you put Mantha with Bastrom, like, Bastrom's made an entire career off giving the puck to goal scorers, right? And he's obviously helped Ovechkin get to where he needs to be as well. So, hey, I'm all for it. Yeah. And, and from Detroit's perspective, it doesn't really matter, right? It's like, hey, no. look, chances are that team isn't competitive in the remainder of Mantha's contract. So it doesn't matter, right? Trade him. Yeah, sure. You got a good deal. You get, you get Frana for four years. You're going to find out what he is. You maybe end up turning around and trading him for something else. Uh, you get, you get the first, you get a second and you get the opportunity to, to probably in the off season, trade Richard panic for something else, right? Something of greater value to this team. So all in all, that's what Detroit needed to do, right? People shouldn't be surprised if that's what they continue to do because the team is not good. 25. He's one year younger than right. Anthem. Yeah. And he's, he's scored about the same amount of goals and everything. So I guess that's what people are looking at here. So even if Rana ends up making similar money to Anthem, let's say he turns around and says, hey, I'm looking for 5.5 my next deal a couple of years here. Okay, so you have a smaller version of Anthony Mantha on your team. That's it. What? Sure. If, yeah, that's a oversimplification, I think. But yeah, in in theory, that's what you're kind of what you're looking at. It's like, hey, you know what? I, I I've got a better track record of health. I'm a Stanley Cup winner. Sure. I, I've got, you know, I've got I've scored I've got 50 point seasons under my belt. I'm capable. I'm a top line. I should be. I will be a top line player for the Detroit Red Wings. I will be 100%. a top six player on just about any team in the league. And he, you know, doesn't have to worry about playoff numbers, right? Because Detroit's yep. not going to the playoffs. <laughs> it's so not getting there. So you know, it's 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 not important. Legacy right? is intact. 
there you go. He's he he's okay from that sense. But again, I'm not like everybody. I, I haven't talked to one person who says, "Man, this is." I, I really think what that was my first reaction. I was like, "This is a great trade for Washington. Really, really good." Everybody's oh, he paid too much. He didn't pay too much. He paid too much for Nick Foligno, but he's got all <laughs> the you know hashtag grit, hashtag character, and all that stuff. That's fine. But you literally go out and get a player who again, hockey, it's about scoring goals, right? You got to score goals to win games. You got to make sure you keep some of them out of your net. But generally, if you score goals, you'll be fine. And the Washington Capitals have done a lot of that this season. And they're adding a player who can help them do more of that. So, sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't disagree. And I think the more people look at it, and I think the other real difference here is like, People are, are probably in some ways discounting Mantha because he plays in Detroit. Oh, he plays in Detroit. It's got to be bad. He plays in Detroit. He plays in he's Detroit. Had a t- he's had a tough season. But again, the Detroit Red Wings are garbage. Now he's going to play on a team where he gets to play Buffalo, New Jersey, and Philadelphia. And I'll throw in the Rangers in there because sometimes they can get lit up as well. well. And, and And to be fair, he's going to be in a situation where he doesn't have to do too much. Correct. Right. If he's on, if he's playing with Ovechkin, he's big enough that he can stand by the net and just tap in goals that come off pads. Can you oh. imagine one line of Ovechkin, Backstrom, and Mantha? Like that, those are some big bodies. Like Ovechkin's a big boy, right? Like he yeah. doesn't need anybody to help him, right? Like he'll throw his weight around. Mantha's a big boy as well. If you're going into the corner with those two, good luck coming out with the puck. Well, chances are Vetchkin's not going into any corners. Vetchkin doesn't need to because he's going to burn you from the circle first. Exactly. He's not He's not going to the corner. He doesn't need to. He'll rip it from his office, coming down the off wing, and that's it. Right. right. That's that's it. Like, oh, yeah, Ovechka, Ovechkin is literally like, if you've never seen him play in real life, if you think of like that person that just hangs out at their desk with their feet up, drinking their coffee waiting for something to happen and that's that's him like yeah. he's, he's and then he's, he actually does something right that's like that's the wicked part right like everybody right. knows what's coming and it still happens and you're like okay yeah there it is again couldn't do anything about it anyways uh we're getting to the point where we need to i mean one essentially we had a lot of moves on trade deadline we had some circumvention of the salary cap we had I mean, Vegas traded a fifth rounder to San Jose essentially for them to take salary cap so that they can get to Matthias Janmark. Um, we had a lot of things happen. Uh, a lot of players move. I think we hit on what should essentially be anyone who mattered and then some. So uh, if you've made it this far, we appreciate you. Um, and uh, we'll be in the chat. And we'll uh, you'll hear from us again next week.